Barum is relationships. Barum is you and me and everyone in America. What are you talking about? The room is different cookie cutter、mm-hmm. from Hollywood. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. What's going on? Welcome to the Room Minute, the podcast where we get obsessed with the cinematic classic, The Room, one minute at a time. You have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? Why are you so hysterical? We always wanted people actually talk about it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh hi, Mark. Oh hi, Allison. Oh hi, Rob. Oh hi, lovebirds. <laughs>、uh, we're here to talk about the room minute six, in which Denny leaves and the foreplay continues, begins. Depends where you, how you define foreplay. Uh, who wants to wait? I haven't described what happens in the minute yet this week. <laughs> oh hi, Sean. Oh, oh hi, Sean. Oh hi, lovebirds. Oh, I have,、um, I have homework to do anyway. Okay, yeah. See, he's not even here. Uh, so Den, yeah, Denny leaves because he's got homework to do, and then we basically、um, he picks up his shoes and leaves, and we cut to well, it's, yeah, it's kind of a cut because the music starts in and we know this is the sex scene. Yeah. Then the sex scene begins. We'll be in the sex scene for most of next week. <laughs> You'll miss it, John.、Um, this sounds like worse than the pod race in、uh, Phantom Menace. Oh, it's it's worse than that、uh, because they use footage from this same sex scene for a second sex scene that happens、uh, about five minutes later. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting to hear. So, one of the things,、um, as I've mentioned previously, I covered the movie Groundhog Day, one minute、mm-hmm. at a time, in, in this format. And probably the, the first question I got when telling people that was, you know, how do you cover? Because the, the day repeats over and over again, and we see the actors kind of walking through the same actions over and over again. And, and how do you repeat that? But that was actually they filmed each day, and they filmed Phil Connors walking through each iteration of his his Groundhog Day loop for a movie that actually reuses the same footage. How you're going to cover that one minute at a time will be interesting to hear. Well, I'll, I'll talk more about it then. But I think the Groundhog Day reference matters because it, it's maybe saying something about their sex life,、mm. and that that's why. The plot goes the direction it goes is because Tommy and Lisa's sex life has gotten stale, and every sex act so- seems like the same one. Do you know what would、mm-hmm. liven it up? Denny, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a, a teenage boy. If they let him stay, <laughs>、yeah? he's just there with his popcorn. He likes to watch. <laughs> he does.、Uh... He just likes to watch you guys. He just wants to watch you. I just want to see him sitting in the chair in the corner eating popcorn now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with like a big soda, so he's munching popcorn and sipping from it, you know, sipping through a straw.、Um, I must say, I am, and it's you know, I guess a sign I'm I'm too mature to properly enjoy the coming love scenes. So probably best that I'm not be here next week because I'm just looking at those candles, and I know some of it is just the the angle of the camera that I don't think they're actually as close as they appear, but we're the I guess this is like a canopy bed with with sheer drapes coming down, and I see these open flames, and I'm like, "Oh, that's just a fire hazard. This thing is just dangerous." That's what makes it exciting. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm just I'm not the the、uh, general and junkie 
really cool. adrenaline junkie that you yeah. are, Robert. Really quick before we move on from Denny sitting in the corner with the popcorn, um, Robin Paris, Philip Alderman, if you're listening to this episode, please get on that and make that scene <laughs> for the room stars. That's all. You know what? I'm just picturing, like for some reason in my head, I'm just picturing like they're in the room and just the bra does come off. So we're going to have to handle it delicately. And like you think that <laughs> they're alone. And then you see him in the corner eating popcorn and he just turns to the camera and winks at the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now I do have a, a, a question. I've, I've been trying to keep myself just to the minutes this week and the minutes yeah. that I've seen. And I, I do have, it, it has piqued my curiosity and I do plan on watching the, the whole movie uh, sometime soon. But I'm just curious, the earrings that Lisa is wearing, oh. was that part of the gift that came with the dress or are those hers that she already had? She didn't have them on before she put the dress on, right? No, she did not. Wait. Hmm. So we don't know. Yeah, I actually didn't think of that. I don't, I mean, I don't think they were in that same box because that was a dress box, didn't have it. Maybe that was the gift on a previous day. Nope, she was wearing them. Anything for his princess. Anything for his princess. Anything for my princess. <laughs> Minute three, she was already wearing okay. Yeah. I just like the earrings, and I'm not really going anywhere with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go places. I just kind of see things. Like the things that you like, you know? Yeah, I like the things that I like. and uh, Yeah. And so we know we know what direction this is heading in because we get... The romantic love scene, soft core Skinamax music. Come mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. And behind the scenes information, however you come down on the Tommy Wiseau directed this or Sandy Chaclair directed this, Tommy Wiseau directed this scene because this was the last day of shooting and Sandy had quit. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to film the sex scenes. Is that awkward to have someone that's in this sex scene directing it? Probably. He's also the producer, so he gets to decide what they do. How far they go, how he acts around the set. Party wife saying to Claire quit. He didn't want to deal with that. He already had a problem with the way Tommy uh, kissed Juliet earlier in filming. Because Juliet's much younger than him. Yeah. I mean, from what I've heard, I've never been on set for one of these scenes. But from what I've heard, they're awkward enough yeah. to mm-hmm. have one of the actors directing. You, you get as few members of the crew on the set as possible that day. And you try to do it very methodically so it doesn't get even more awkward yeah now i was confused a little bit by i think it's the editing because it seems to go at some point they're kind of dancing where it seems they're standing and then there are other times where it's they're i think they're on their knees where it seems like they're on the bed they're upright like they're not laying down they're upright where i think they're on their knees on the bed some kind of the, the the pillow play is continuing, and then it seems like they're standing, but then maybe they're back on the bed. I had kind of trouble following just all the motions of the minute. Yes, and that just being <laughs> maybe that's a reflection. Maybe that's why there's a problem with my. I'm nodding. Sex life. Right I don't now. know if I'm in bed or not. <laughs> <It was just laughs> <me. laughs> I was nodding with everything you just said. Okay, all right. which isn't good podcasting, but. <laughs> It's, it's, it's an, uh, yeah. But absolutely, yes, the, the scene is edited uniquely. Yeah, that's one way to put it. Yeah. And this also would have been one of the last scenes to be edited, I think, too, because a lot of the editing was happening as they were filming. And since this was the last day of shooting, this would have been 
some of the last stuff edited. Aside from some outside shots in San Francisco. And they continue on with the pillow fight after Denny leaves. Yes. Wait, you're trying to ruin our Denny perspective theory. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's still going down the stairs. He's still in the apartment. So we're still getting his perspective. It's not until he's out the door that it becomes something else. Yeah. That's what he imagines they're still doing. So the whole movie isn't from his perspective. Just when he's present. Child goggles. <laughs> Just child goggles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, yeah, when we see them with the pillows, that's when, that's Danny sitting in the corner eating his popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he finally just left, that's when it cuts to the song, I Will, performed by Wayman Davis, which we'll hear for the whole song, basically. Yeah, and so this is sort of an appropriate song for the scene, and it's a professionally made song. Yeah. There's been some comments about the dialogue and some other things about this movie, but at least the music is uh, professional. It's maybe too slow. I can't explain why I feel this way about you. It'd be a shame living in this world without you. But it's, yeah, it's not inappropriate for the scene talking about, well, I can't explain why I feel this way about you. It'd be a shame living in this world without you. That's that's nice. Yeah, yeah there's there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. It's a nice sentiment. Nice thing to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing he wouldn't do for his princess. Right. Anything for my princess. Yeah. Anything for my princess. <laughs> princess. <laughs> um, and this is another moment, kind of that divide between cinema and reality. Because naturally, generally... When you're uh, having special uh, alone time with that special person in your life, you don't, unless you, you can turn on a radio or, or play the phonograph or something, you don't automa- but you don't automatically get uh, the soundtrack uh, kicking in in the background, but you do get the, the natural sounds um, that, that a, a human body makes. Sean, um, do you have a phonograph in your bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually do, but... Uh, I, you know, I, I felt the Foley work in this minute was a bit much. I got a little bit more of heavy breathing and particularly lip smacking. And I know part of that is just me. I'm not a fan of mouth sounds. <laughs> I don't want to hear, um, you know, people are speaking. I will listen to the words they are saying, but I don't want to, I don't generally enjoy hearing Lip smacking or I, oh, when people eat on podcasts, I'll just skip to the next episode. I don't want to hear you eating or chewing or any kind of thing of your mouth other than just, you know, speech. And I found this, the the latter part of this minute was disturbing. Uh, the sounds of the, the, the kissing and the lip smacking. And I think particularly, I don't know if I heard much of Lisa, but Johnny's heavy breathing. I felt I got way more of that than I wanted. I kind of wish, like, can we turn up the music? Because the song is pleasant enough. Can I just, I just want to hear the music. And again, it's when two people are getting together in real life, there are sounds. So it's, it's realistic in that sense, but this is not reality. This is, uh, you know, it's, it's art of a type. It's cinema. So I want to be one of those times where I don't want it to be too realistic. Just give me the soundtrack. Give me the, you know, the sexy time song. 
and the music. I'll take that. I don't need to hear the body sounds. But uh, th- maybe that's just me. That's just my personal preference in terms of what I want to hear and, and what I don't want to hear. So what would be a good example of a sex scene from a film, in your opinion? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Said. And I've got I've, I've got to be careful because this is being recorded and other people are going to hear. <laughs> it's strangely, and I say strangely just because I know this scene generally got panned. It was not well received critically, but the scene in Watchmen. Oh, I was on Watchmen minute for the sex scene. Yeah. Uh shout out to to Watchmen minute, but the scene with uh, the owl and Silk Spectre on uh, on his owl craft, I thought was was good. You know, appropriate. It was not. You know, it's not. It's not a pornographic film. The aim of the scene. You know, the purpose of the scene is to bring us along the journey with the characters and kind of their arc and where they're going. It's not. Nece- it's not meant to be sexy or titillating necessarily for the observer. So I found that, and that's. I think. It's been a, a, a little while since I've seen that, but that's when you don't hear any body sounds. No, the music it's, is too loud. It's all soundtrack. You hear the, the, the music that's kind of setting the mood, which is all I really want to hear in that moment from a movie. So yeah, I'll throw out the, the sex scene in, in Watchmen. Now, would this sex scene be better served if it ended with an ejaculation of fire? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, that's not where I expected that question to go, but, uh, um, I would say generally as a rule, all of them would be, that's just, yeah, that's just a blanket. Yes. For any scene in any movie would be improved (laughs) if for it to end uh, the ejaculation of fire. Yeah. Oh, is, is that, oh, uh, I was going to ask, but I don't want, I don't want the surprise ruined, but the, the question that comes to mind is of course. Is that how this scene ends? But uh, <laughs> I'll say, I'll just, for the listener, we'll have to tune in next week to find out. Yes, this is just his first kill. <laughs> yeah. early in the film. Lisa's not even a main character. You just don't know that shot. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So this is following kind of in the footsteps of movies like Psycho, where the, the star gets killed very early on in the film. So listener, don't spoil it for your neighbors who haven't seen the film yet. But yes, Lisa dies. Well, although, you know what? I was kind of presumptuous. Yeah, maybe he does. So we we can't say. It may, Lisa or Johnny may die next week after being baked by a flaming ejaculation. But we yeah. won't say, we won't say who is the ejaculator. His face is on the billboard and he dies in minute nine. <laughs> it's a very short film. Oh, no, it goes on. Well, no, actually, because it's all about... Denny's. Thing. It's all about Denny. Yeah. How Denny kills people. That's how he killed Denny. And how messed up he is after witnessing... Um, an innocent pillow fight turned into. That's what he wants to watch. He wants to watch Lisa burning. <laughs> now, Allison, you haven't seen as many movies as Sean or I, but do you have, I guess favorite's the wrong word, but do you have a good sex scene in a film that comes to mind? No, I don't think I do. I need to educate myself more on sex scenes in movies. Yeah. yeah. They, they are really tough, and I kind of hesitated because... Most of my favorite movies, it's, well, I'm, I'm a big fan of a lot of the older movies from the 40s and 50s, and it's yeah, they wouldn't the have two it. stars are looking longingly into their eyes, and it slowly fades out, and then- or it pans to the, the fireplace. Yeah, it pans to the fireplace, and then the gentleman is lighting two cigarettes and hands one to <laughs> the leading lady, 
and it's, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We know what just happened, but they don't show it. And I think that's, I think of films like Casablanca has some of my favorite sex scenes because you, you don't see them. I don't know if it'd be my favorite, but the first one I think of is from the original Terminator. Mm-hmm. Because at that point in the movie, we get why these two characters are getting together and it's important, I think, that we see it, that they're actually being intimate with each other. Because up to this point, Kyle Reese has been a very standoffish character who clearly isn't used to having social interaction with women. And so it works as a scene, I think, fairly well. Plus, I saw that when I was quite young, so yeah, it's one that stuck with me. Yeah. Wow, you are really good at this, Robert. Because well, I mean, that's a really good example, because generally... The more explicit and the longer sex scenes generally come earlier in the film. I imagine this is on purpose. It's probably like kind of get people interested and then later on things are more plot driven. And so there's generally less of that later in a film. And, and I haven't done, I haven't taken a stopwatch. I haven't timed it or done research, but just my impression is generally they, they're more common earlier in the film. But like you said, that's one. That's a sex scene that comes later in the film and it's after we've, yeah, we've gotten to know the characters and, and we kind of, we know why the scene is happening and why it's important to them. Yeah. Unlike say the opening scene of Basic Instinct where the sex scene seems a little awkward and it's fairly explicit to be the opening scene, but it's because it's setting up a movie that is all about sexuality mixed with violence. And so it's part of the structure of the film. But it's not a very good sex scene. Right. But it comes early. That's what she said. said. No time. But she did. No time. Yeah, like, so those kind of, yeah, suspense and and horror films, and um, particularly where one of the participants of an early sex scene dies, and that sort of sets up the conflict and the plot for the rest of the movie, and that kind of sets the tone, and then the rest of the movie is suspense or horror thriller whatever and it kind of goes on from there yeah but yeah while you're watching the scene it's not you you don't connect with it because you don't know the characters i mean here we're we're six minutes in so how well do we know these people other than well just how well do we know them and it's not very well we're six minutes into the movie and we're getting into the sex scene Uh, we're not going to connect with it on an emotional level right yet so you came in a minute four. Yeah, you only missed five, six lines of dialogue. Yeah, I mean, depending on how long the opening credits are and what the kind of the opening scene is, I may not have missed much at all. So you you came in on the opening scene. Oh, all right then. And then and I can kind of fill in the blanks, I guess. You know, so it goes from opening scene to sex scene. Okay. So we're yeah, that's so this is that kind of movie. Yeah, we're just gonna get in, and so kind of everything I can kind of imagine the previous minute was. Johnny presenting a present, right. a large box to Lisa that she then opens to say, oh, let me go try it on. So kind of everything in the movie at this point has been leading up to to them doing the nasty. <laughs> yeah. As it's sometimes called. All right. Interesting. The mattress mamba. <laughs> the mattress mamba. <laughs> nice. Second 57, Lisa lets down her hair. This doesn't matter now, but it will matter next minute. Because as Sean has already pointed out, this sex scene is not edited very well. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll, we can end with some notes from Midnight Screening. Notes from a Midnight Screening. When Denny leaves, someone in the audience will scream, Don't forget your shoes! Because, of course, he grabs his shoes. And when the song starts, they will chant, Sex scene one, sex scene one, sex scene one. <laughs> And then gradually the audience will attempt, and the attempt is an important word here, 
to clap the very slow beat of this song, <laughs> and they will fail. Because it's an audience that is not synchronized trying to do a really slow beat. It doesn't work. Right. It's, it's, I'm not only interested in seeing this film, obviously, I am intrigued by the idea of that kind of midnight movie audience participation. I'm a big fan of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I have seen that film in the cinema. It must be triple digits. I, I do not have an exact count, but it's easily over a hundred times. I mean, there were a period in my late high school, early college years where it was every weekend, Friday and Saturday night. That's a big part of the audience. The screenings I went to here are in Westwood, which is right near UCLA. Mm-hmm. And you get the impression that a lot of the people in the audience are college students from UCLA who go every month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and to to develop and remember the lines and, and work yeah. on new lines, you really have to be... Well, and interactions with the screen at some points. Yeah, re- re- repeated viewings, which I guess is easier now when I, you know, back in uh, my, my younger days, we didn't have... Well, I guess we didn't have DVD. VHS was around. Tapes were around, but Rocky Horror was not yet out officially. There were a few bootlegs kind of floating around, but yeah. you pretty much had to work on site, the Gemba, as they call it in... Uh, in kind of modern business speak, you had to be there in the theater to, to work out your material. But an interesting contrast for as sexy as that movie is, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, there really aren't any sex scenes in it. There's, it's all lead up. It's all the seduction, the chase that's leading up to the sex scene, but not the sex scene itself. So it'd be interesting for me to th- for the audience participation, not just of the seduction and the foreplay and the pillow fight, but to have audience participation during a sex scene itself, during the, the actual act, as it were, that would be a new thing for me. So, um, hmm. Yeah. That's probably why we get my last note from a midnight screening for this minute. Uh, second 55, we see those, that big bank of candles. Mm-hmm. And the audience will yell fire. And every time we show the thing you thought was rain, they'll say water. And when they show the candles, they'll yell fire. And they get where they're nitpicking Lisa's hair, whether it's up or whether it's down. And they won't comment on, like, the sex itself. They'll, they're will they calling out these other things. Okay. Which may be the only way to do it. And in the second sex scene, they sing along with the song. Because I guess it's a better song. <laughs> it's certainly the more famous one from this movie. Because it's, it's repeated in the end credits. Okay. Yeah, I, I did do, uh, I haven't, I didn't see the whole film, but I did do a little preparation and research getting ready for, uh, for the podcast. And I tried to find out more about this song and I found, you know, I found the credits in terms of the writer and the, the singer, yeah. Wayman Davis. Uh, but that's about it. I did, and it appears on the soundtrack from the film, obviously, but yeah, I didn't find out a lot about it, but there you go. So sex scene with fire and water. And, uh, you know, maybe that means something. Maybe there's some uh, symbolism there. The watcher and the listener can uh, can keep in mind for future minutes. Yes, let's hope we will figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. You're, you're smart. You're a smart audience. <laughs> Midnight audiences definitely think it means something. <laughs> but they don't write, like, a thesis afterward of what they think it means. Right. But that's that's the great thing and the interesting thing about art is that if, as an audience... If you think it means something, then it means something. True. Now, it is Friday, so we like to promote other bad films 
Not that this one's bad, of course. Oh, of course. I can't believe I just said that. We like <laughs> to promote bad films on Friday to point out how great this one is. Would you like to tell the listeners about one? I, I would love to. I know it. It all sounds like some bad movie. Bad movie in week. I was brought up on bad films. This was regular Saturday night tradition for my mother and myself to get bad, cheap Chinese takeout and a bad movie and, um, and, and things like Toxic Avenger and all the trauma studio stuff, mm. uh, Roger Corman and his movies, Ed Wood and, and all that stuff. So I, I go way back, although I kind of lean towards, you can probably guess from those, I, I lean more towards the bad sci-fi and the bad monster yeah. movie than the bad drama or bad rom-com. But, um, but I'm nice. The, the movie I'd like to recommend and, and a movie I just, uh, learned of recently within the past few months was mentioned on another podcast, uh, Bat Minute, where they cover, uh, the films, the Batman, the Tim Burton Batman films one minute at a time. But they recently mentioned a movie, Rockula, which I guess kind of covers a lot of those different genres. It's a, a bit monster movie, a bit musical, a bit love story, romantic drama. Rockula from 1990 is about a vampire who has not been able to lose his virginity. And he was uh, betrothed to a woman. And before they could consummate the relationship, she was killed by a pirate. And so she is, uh, there's some curse where she is continually reincarnated and then killed on Halloween, I think it's Halloween, on October 31st of her 22nd year, she dies. And then is instantly reincarnated, and 22 years later, they repeat the same scene. And every time, I guess there's a there's a bit of a Groundhog Day aspect to this movie as well. So in every iteration, she always dies before they can consummate the relationship. Part of the tagline of the movie is he's the, the world's oldest virgin. But this time through, when, when we join the film, he has decided he's going to try to stay away. He figures, well, if, if we don't meet and we don't try to have a relationship, then maybe she won't be killed at the age of 22. And maybe he can break the cycle and break the curse. And I think it's appropriate to mention in, in, in ties with, with this movie, The Room, is you, you hesitate to kind of call it a bad movie. And I was actually talking about this with a friend earlier in the week is I'm not entirely sure where this film lies. Am I, and, and maybe I've, I've just, I've seen it too much. I've, I've probably watched it half a dozen times in the, the past couple months. And I can't figure out like, is it, am, do I enjoy it as kind of a, just an enjoyable bad movie or is it actually a good movie? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lost. I'm not sure of like where it, where it lies on that spectrum between good movie and bad movie. It kind of jumps back and forth. But, um, but I'm nice. to, to give you a hint of, of what we're talking about here. So the, the, the main vampire who I mentioned, it's a bit of a musical. He starts a band called Rockula because it's a rock band. So Rockula is played by uh, Dean Cameron, who I know best as Chainsaw from Summer School. Ah. His mother is Tony Basil, the singer-choreographer of um, Hey Mickey fame. His girlfriend's uh, manager, or the love interest, her her 
she's a singer and her manager slash boyfriend is well kind of oh is a owns a mortuary slash casket salesman played by thomas dolby the cast also includes uh bo diddley tony cox Susan Terrell, I, I mean, there's a bunch of familiar faces. You're going to see a lot of people that um, you'll, you'll probably recognize in this cast. But it's a strange film. And, and like I said, I'm not sure if it's if it's good or if it's in that so bad it's good. But it's interesting. And it's definitely worth seeking out. It's on. It is on Amazon Prime. It, it's kind of, it's not on Netflix. But if you have Amazon Prime, it's called Rockula. And it's from 1990. And it's... It's a very strange movie. I'll just say and, that. And you picked a movie I haven't actually seen. So while you were talking, I just added it to my watch list to watch later. There you go. It's it's, it's it's definitely worth a watch. Sounds interesting. Definitely. And I don't know if I've ever seen Dean Cameron in anything other than summer school. Right. And yeah, I don't think I had either until. Although I've seen summer school a lot. Yeah. Because we had that on video. Yeah. Um, a lot of us of a certain age. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. Okay. Jumping in from editing, I did watch Rockula about an hour after we recorded, I believe. And it's, yeah, the premise is silly, but it's quite a good little movie musical. It's very 80s. One song in particular, uh, By My Side, is a fantastic like film musical sequence, cutting back and forth between the characters in different locations, singing the song together. And so, yeah. It's, I wouldn't call it a bad movie. It's a cheesy movie. But it's not necessarily bad. It's definitely worth watching. So one more time, Sean, you want to tell the listeners how to find you? Yeah, so I've, I've been Sean, and if you want to listen to me, uh, talk in circles without actually going anywhere, I've done a couple of these, uh, movie by minutes things covering This is Spinal Tap and Groundhog Day. I've also got my own podcast, a weekly series called Five Minutes of Mime. And we talk about mime, and uh, we do a little mime, and it's it's only five minutes, as the title says. So, uh, yeah, why not check it out? I also do a bunch of guest appearances. And I put all that at catandshawn.org, C-A-T, and Sean, S-E-A-N.org. And uh, I link to all my podcasts, and I link to my guest appearances as well. So uh, by the time you hear this, there'll probably be a link to this on that page. So, yeah, go to catandshawn.org, and then listen to podcasts. But it's nothing wrong when people make it fun of the project, in this case, The Room. The Room Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Follow The Room Minute on all the obvious social media. If you've got any stupid comments after the show, you can leave them in your pocket on Facebook. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you for listening. And remember, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live. Leave us!